Hello, it's Wednesday, 16th of March. I'm Hannah Pearson. Welcome to part seven of our two years of travel disruption series as Gary Bowerman and I chat with Ho Chi Minh-based Mike Tatarski, producer of the Vietnam Weekly Newsletter. So let's get started. This is the Southeast Asia Travel Show. Hello, wherever you are in the world, and thanks for listening in. So it's exactly two years since Southeast Asian nations began shutting their borders as COVID-19 spread across the region and then beyond. Right now, every day seems to bring new announcements. Things are on the move. But the region's travel landscape is still incomplete. So in part seven of our two years of travel disruption series, we're delighted to welcome back Mike Tatarski, who is editor-in-chief of Saigonia and founder and producer of the Vietnam Weekly Newsletter. Mike last joined us on the show in July 2021, that long ago, and a great deal has changed both in Vietnam and across the region since then. So Mike, thanks for coming back onto the show. How are you doing and how are things over there in Ho Chi Minh City? Thanks for having me back. Uh, good to join you again. And uh, yeah, things are okay here. Well, here in Ho Chi Minh City, they're actually shockingly normal um, since, well, I guess we'll get to lock, the lockdown of last year and things like that. But Everything in the city is open. Streets are busy. Um, we do have Omicron here, but again, we'll get to the vaccination rates, which are kind of helping us carry on as normal, which is a lot different from uh, last year, um, last time we talked, actually. Yeah, so there's so much to update, Mike, since we last spoke. But firstly, let's let's go back a little bit. Um, Vietnam was one of the zero COVID nations in the first year of the pandemic, and it held at bay the early waves. So when did the impact really start to bite, both on daily life and on travel? Yeah, so the impact on international travel was almost immediate. I mean, Vietnam was one of the very first countries to totally ban inbound flights. Um, and I think it's been almost exactly two years. It was March 2020, hard to believe. Uh, so that obviously cut off international tourism in one fell swoop. Um, but domestically, I mean, we talked about this last time, but because of the success of that, the border closure, we were able to carry on pretty much as normal inside the country for quite a while, uh, while much of the rest of the world um, was not. So domestic tourism was able to hang on for a while, um, but it's been a full two, two, excuse me, a full two years for international tourism. But daily life, other than a couple kind of localized outbreaks, was pretty good through 2020, and then. It was around April of last year. So I think we, we talked in June 2021. Um, and I went back and listened to a little bit of that podcast today. And we really had no, we were already in hard, hard lockdown here in Ho Chi Minh City and obviously had no idea what was coming, which ended up being, I think, one of the strictest lockdowns of anywhere in the world in the entire pandemic. I mean, we ended up here and in a few neighboring provinces of, I think it was the month of August and September not allowed to leave our homes for any reason. Uh, the military was called in to help with food, uh, grocery delivery, like restaurants were completely closed even for delivery for many, many weeks. It was a jarring time. That was across much of Southern Vietnam with Ho Chi Minh City being the epicenter of this huge, incredibly deadly Delta outbreak. And we exited that in October and um, it's been much, much improved since then. Uh, so that was, the second half of 2021 was really rough for Vietnam, um, especially the South, but Northern provinces weren't spared um, in many ways as well. And that obviously largely shut down domestic tourism as well. So 
with international being out for all of 2021 and then domestic taking a hit through much of 2021, uh, it was, it's been a rough couple of years to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk vaccinations then. So you already hinted about how things are pretty different, um, this year round. I mean, again, when we were speaking last year, a vaccination in Vietnam was kind of in the early stages and it was behind a lot of other countries in Southeast Asia. What's the situation with that now? Yeah, it was very slow. And for a while, there was quite a bit of controversy over what exactly was going on, why we were so behind. Um, yeah, just people wondering why. And since then, it's, I mean, now Vietnam is one of the most vaccinated countries in the world with over 200 million doses have been distributed. Um, something like 80% of the adult population is fully vaccinated. Uh, I, mean, I mean, two doses. Um, they're aiming to get boosters to all eligible adults by the end of April. I got my booster a, a couple of months ago now already. So it's, I mean, world beating to put it bluntly. And this is why we have, which we'll also get to, we have an Omicron surge going on now, but that's not really causing any reversals in terms of um, stuff being open. So yeah, it went from a laggard, especially regionally, to now being one of the most vaccinated countries in the world in relatively short order. And I also listened back to to the previous time we spoke, Mike, and you mentioned at that time that Vietnam was talking about uh, its own homegrown vaccines. What happened to those? So not a whole lot. There was actually a while where we didn't hear anything. And there, every now and then there'd be a little bit of news about um, the efficacy of there was one main candidate that was kind of furthest along in its trial testing. But I I mean, in a, in a good way, and it's also a little ironic, they were so fast once foreign vaccines started coming in that they ran out of people to try the domestic vaccine candidates on. Like they ran out of test patients, basically, because everyone was just getting vaccinated so quickly. So we haven't heard anything in a while. I don't know if those will ever be finished or even necessary, given that global supply is stabilized somewhat. Um so they never came into into being. Uh, they just ended up using AstraZeneca and other uh, donations and purchases so quickly that they kind of became unneeded. Yeah, you're right. It's super interesting because for a while, I mean, and I think that that was a lot behind why Vietnam was so slow on the vaccine rollout, right? Because I think that they were really relying on developing their own vaccines and, and being able to get those shots in arms rather than necessarily rely on um international vaccine companies um but that's that's so that's so fascinating they've kind of run out of test patients <laughs> yeah super interesting i mean a lot of it is kind of speculation over what you know did they were they were they overconfident did they want to wait for the domestic vaccine you know we don't know it's very opaque the decision making here but uh yeah i mean that, that thankfully things accelerated very quickly once vaccines started arriving yeah absolutely and you're right you know it it is kind of yeah, it's astounding, actually, how fast they have done it. You know, I, I track the vaccination numbers on a weekly basis for my report. And then when, you know, now you're right, you know, 80 something percent for Vietnam. And you think, wow, for a long time, it was like less than one percent for a really, really long time. And now it's, yeah, it's one of the leaders. And that, I suppose, leads on to my next question, which is, well, right now, Vietnam has the highest number of daily cases in Southeast Asia. I think it's had the highest number ever in Southeast Asia. How is the country coping then from going from this really zero COVID mentality um, to having these soaring daily infection rates? And yesterday, ostensibly, the borders opened and we'll talk about borders opening later. But that also happened on the day when Vietnam recorded its most cases ever, I think. Right. So how are people kind of balancing those two? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's really been fascinating. Sometimes I, I kind of reflect on the last couple of years, and it, I mean, every country has had a very unique experience with the pandemic, and just the roller coaster of it here is kind of astonishing. I mean, we had again the first year of almost bizarre normalcy compared to most much of the world. Then, if, at least for here in Ho Chi Minh City, one of the strictest lockdowns, uh, you know, that I know of, at least anywhere, and now we're. Uh, recording, you know, 200, 150,000 cases a day. And that's, I mean, that's a, probably a fraction of the actual number because there's not much testing going on. I, I believe it's some of the highest daily case numbers in the world at the moment. Uh, we're, you know, we're way above the US, for example. But daily life, again, is largely normal. It's a bit different up north. That's where most of these cases are being recorded, actually. So I know Hanoi, I think they're finally ending it, but they had been under a 9 p.m. like restaurant and bar curfew. I think that's getting extended to midnight now. Um, they're reopening the pedestrian walking street around Huan Kim Lake. Um, but here in, in southern Vietnam, it's almost like what pandemic at this point? I mean, there's still a lot of people wearing masks, but um, social distancing is out the window. You don't really have to you know, check in on your... Um, app like we have a, a few different apps for health declarations and things like that nobody really checks that anymore they've done away with pretty much any restrictions on domestic flying um for some period of time you would have to get a rapid test before you flew domestically they got rid of that around christmas um currently i think you don't even have to be vaccinated to fly domestically although obviously most people are but it's quite shocking to where we were last year before the vaccines kicked in when a thousand cases a day was like almost a you know, a disaster. And now we're at 150 times that, and it's basically being shrugged off. Um, and I mean, the vaccines are showing that they're working. You know, the issue last year was that we had these huge mortality rates where Ho Chi Minh City recorded like over 20,000 deaths in the span of a couple of months. And now, you know, we've been at well over 100,000 cases a day nationally for a couple of weeks now, I think. And daily deaths are under 100, which of course is still tragic. But as long as that line doesn't move up, which it's not right now, that's um, really the key for kind of carrying on. Yeah, dramatic changes indeed, Mike. Hannah referenced there the reopening yesterday that happened. But if we just go back a little bit, Vietnam opened a pilot reopening program in, for selected destinations uh, last year, but it was heavily restricted. Uh, there are only selected hotels and resorts participating. What kind of impact has that had so far? Pretty limited, as far as we know. I mean, like like you said, Phu Walk was one of the main destinations, and I think something like ten thousand people have come in under that program uh, since November. Which um, you know, that's what about five months? That's you know, do the math about two thousand people a month. That's pretty insignificant. And um, one of the issues with this program, you know, whenever they announced it, if you looked at the list of hotels and resorts that were included, you saw a lot of. Vinpearl, Vin Group properties, uh, Sun Group properties are major, you know, intercontinental sort of huge international brands. Um, now, of course, all those brands were hurting, you know, it, uh, just like the smaller players. But it seems like most of the benefit of that was going towards companies that uh, can absorb loss, you know, much more readily than smaller mom and pop hotels or independent players that weren't really seeing any benefit as 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 far as we know, at least because people were. You know, they could just for a bit more detail, uh, people could fly in on charter flights, be taken straight to Vin Pearl, Foo Walk or whatever hotel it was, and then largely couldn't leave for the, their trip. Um, you know, they can maybe go to 
a related Vin Group property or or a golf course or something like that, depending on where they were. But they weren't allowed to go, you know, around Fu Walk or around Hoi An or anything like that. So pretty limited um, as far as we know. And how about for domestic travel then? So obviously we we just come out from kind of the, the Tet Lunar New Year period. Um, and from the outside, it looks like domestic travel was pretty strong over that period. Um, was that the case? Were you traveling during that time? Yeah, it was busy. I mean, there were plenty of articles in domestic media about places like um, Sapa and Dalat being very busy, um, busier than last Tet when we had a little bit of a, a COVID scare at the time. Um I did travel. I went to Fantiet, although we, me and my partner just rented a car and drove. Um, that felt a little safer than flying. But uh, yeah, domestic travel, I mean, a few places were still probably a little quieter than normal, but largely has picked up a, a full head of steam since, um, since the s- southern provinces came out of lockdown in October. So let's talk about Vietnam's reopening, Mike. It, it all happened last minute, two days ago. On Monday, you tweeted that Vietnam is supposed to fully open to international tourism tomorrow, but there's been no confirmation of visas, quarantine, or testing policies. The media reported on this as well, that everybody was confused. The travel industry seemed very confused, but there have been some movements. What, what's actually happening? What's the current situation? Yeah, so it's the developments now have been pretty significant, but it was frustrating for a while. I mean, this date of March 15th was set, uh, I think, back in February. It had, you know, the, the prime minister put his stamp on it, like this is happening on March 15th, covered extensively by, to their credit, by domestic media in the run-up. Uh, they, you know, there were a lot of articles expressing their frustration of tour companies, uh, people in the tourism industry, um, which obviously has been completely decimated. I, I think I saw somewhere that 80 to 90% of people working in the tourism industry have left the industry over the last two years and just found work elsewhere. So obviously that's a, you know, a huge drain on human resources for them. And uh, yeah, even into coming into this week, you know, there was not any clarity. There was a huge fight going on between the health and tourism ministries. Um, it was, it was a bit odd. Honestly, the health ministry was kind of proposing these frankly, bizarrely lax uh, policies for, within the country, but then was kind of fighting for three days of quarantine for tourists, stricter testing, those sorts of things, whereas the tourism ministry wanted largely restrictions to be dropped. Yeah, Monday night, we still didn't know. And then Tuesday came and they announced that they were resuming visa waivers for 13 countries, mostly in Europe, although I think including Japan and South Korea as well, but still no word on entry regulations. Um, And then finally last night, so we're recording on Wednesday. So Tuesday night, the health ministry announced that um, pretty substantial. I mean, there's now no quarantine for international arrivals. Um, all you have to have is a either PCR test 72 hours in advance or a rapid test 24 hours in advance. You don't apparently don't even have to provide vaccination certi- certification before boarding, which is a surprising one. So it now, now appears that the country is really open. Um, now, granted, there is often a gap between what's said and what can actually be done in reality. So we'll, we're kind of waiting to see what happens, you know, as people actually try to come here as tourists. But it does seem like they finally got there. You know, it took a lot, it took a long time. But if this is what actually comes into place, then you know, it's on par with Cambodia, and I think even easier than than Thailand in terms of entering entering the country for tourism. There's still we don't really have clarity on what happens if you test positive when you're in the country. Also, a lot of articles mention the visa waivers, but don't really talk about just normal tourist visas for 
the nationality is not covered by those waivers, which is most countries. But as we, as it stands now, it looks like the dramatic the opening will be pretty dramatic um, and substantial. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're. I'm like you. I think I'm, I'm a bit surprised about that. You don't even need to uh, provide a vaccination certificate. I think that's an interesting one. And if they if that really is the case, I suppose you could argue that it really will be the most open country in Southeast Asia in that respect, because you know countries like Cambodia and the Philippines will let you in, but you've got to be fully vaccinated. Yeah, it, it's all very um, last minute. <laughs> I think Gary and I have always, well, we're always complaining about this, about uh, tourism boards. And I, I think tourism stakeholders in Vietnam must have been absolutely pulling their hair out about that. So, Mike, we were we were reading yesterday on the first day that the media was reporting that no flights had arrived. I guess no surprise about that. The second day, is there any news about when flights might start landing? Uh, not that I've seen yet. I mean, this uh, the, my understanding is that these new entry rules were only announced last night. So Tuesday night, we're recording on Wednesday. Um, again, very all very last minute, um, or even more than last minute, some might say. So. I'm assuming rush. I mean, there's definitely demand for tourism here. Like there's a lot, been a lot of articles where tourism companies are like, we have people ready to book. They just can't, we can't because we don't know what's happening. So I assume tourism companies will be moving fast now. I mean, there's still limited f- numbers of flights coming in simply because there's just not that demand because there was no tourism. I assume that will change fairly quickly. I, I'm not an expert on airlines. I don't know how long it takes them to kind of get flights back up and running, but presumably as soon as that ha- is capable of happening, there will be flights, I would assume, especially if this all goes as dramatic of an opening as they, they uh, intended to be. Absolutely. So let's talk the other spectrum of this and the reopening, um, which is, of course, is outbound travel. Um, so pre-pandemic, you know, the outbound travel um, sector from Vietnam was picking up. What's the current travel sentiment for traveling overseas in the coming months? And you know, are there any destinations that you have picked up on that might be hotter uh, for Vietnamese travelers? Yeah, I mean, the, this with the caveat that I don't pay quite as much attention to this as inbound, but I, I have seen a couple articles saying that um, there's increasing demand. One said that some t- tourism companies were seeing like two to three times more bookings than, than last month. Uh, they didn't mention what that baseline of booking was. So I don't know like how many <laughs> tours. Um, there were a couple articles saying that uh, it seems like Dubai is a popular um, destination. I mentioned, uh, you know, Europe, uh, usual kind of United States. Although I think flight, there aren't a ton of flights going there at the moment, although that will obviously change. But it seemed like Dubai was a common destination. I assume that would be shopping related. And also, as as other parts of Southeast Asia start to you know make it easier to enter, I assume those would come online as well. And we did see kind of, ironically, through lockdown, like Vietnam Airlines and Bamboo Airways as well were sort of launching a variety of flights to Australia, new flights to Europe. Um, Vietnam Airlines had their big announcement of the direct flight to California, which none of those have really been able to be utilized very much because of when they happened. But presumably, those will be coming online and. I have to assume we'll be seeing a lot of travel from Vietnam to to the U.S. and, and vice versa as well as things start to open up more. So let's uh, again switch tack, Mike, and let's sort of look at the economy. The Vietnam is one of the few countries over the past two years that has avoided negative growth. It recorded positive uh, economic growth in both 2020 and 2021. 
Um, the World Bank is saying that this year Vietnam will get back on track to its high growth uh, rates that it had in, during the during the last decade, um, and that means with the size of its population and with the the, the rate of economic growth, that there's going to be a lot of investment. Vietnam is going to be an investment destination for all different sectors, um, particularly travel and tourism. We read a lot about these major transport infrastructure investments um, that are being made and that are planned over the next few years, particularly in terms of new airports, airport expansions. Um, can you just sort of fill us in what, what's the current situation on these? Because uh, it looks like Vietnam is really going to scale up its aviation sector. Uh, well, they on paper, it looks like that. But um, for one thing, I've never quite been able to figure out is for all the economic growth that we see here and all the investment infrastructure lags way, way behind, um, especially here in Ho Chi Minh City and some of the other southern provinces. So that's kind of a whole other uh, can of worms that we don't really need to get into. But obviously, the, kind of the big headline one is Long Thanh International Airport, the new airport for Ho Chi Minh City, um, actually in a neighboring province that they plan to kind of be a rival to KLIA and Savarnapumi and these other huge regional hubs. Um, I think, you know, by the time it's well scheduled to be finished in 2035 or something like that, something like a hundred million people a year capacity, that's been long uh, gestating. And they say the first phase is going to open in 2025, but that would be frankly shocking at this point. Um, actually just before we started recording, I saw an article with, some photos of the site and they're still clearing the land. Uh, like they don't even they actually haven't even received all the land that they needed to build it. Um, and so clocks ticking <laughs> on that. Uh, and then there's also, there's been talk of building another terminal at Tansan Yat here in the city for quite a long time. I, I think that was supposed to start last fall. I mean, the outbreak would have delayed that a bit, but I've seen nothing about any progress on that recently. Um, has no, you know, there's been no work or anything, because th this is something that will probably get a lot more attention once tourism, international tourism returns, is that the airport here is kind of hopelessly overcrowded. So that's going to be an issue moving forward, for sure. Uh, Hanoi is in a bit better shape, but there's talk of, you know, a new airport for Haiphong. They're, I think they've actually started working on an airport for Sapa, which I guess is good if you're a tourism business there, but I have some environmental questions related to that. So yeah, there's certainly a lot of stuff in the works. I think Condal's airport might get a little bit of an expansion, things like that. Um, but all of this is going to be a bit slow, uh, to say the least. And how about the proposed uh, north-south high-speed railway? What's the current status with that? Um, I mean, frankly, I see that as a bit of a pipe dream, given the cost and also just the efficiency of flying here. I mean, it, it's you know, you can get anywhere in the country in two hours or less, basically. Um, and that's been a pretty controversial kind of proposal anyway. I mean, there's been cost estimates as high as 40 or $50 billion, which is obviously an enormous sum. That's like a quarter of the country's GDP, roughly. So that I'm sure will continue to be discussed, uh, but I can't see anything, you know, any work coming online for that anytime in the near future at all, <laughs> to be frank. And so, Mike, as things start to, to happen, you have over the past two years been traveling domestically. Um, I guess you haven't been traveling internationally. What are your travel plans for this year, both in Vietnam and further afield? I don't have a whole lot set in stone at the moment. I mean, I'll definitely be going, my partner and I, she's also American, we'll be going back to the U.S. at some point. We don't have that kind of um, a date settled or anything like that. 
I mean, to be honest, it's a bit daunting after all. It's coming up on three years since we've been home and there's a lot of people to see and places to go and kind of cramming all that into one trip will be impossible. So uh, we'll figure that out at some point, but I think we'll go, I think we're going to go down to the Mekong Delta for a few days next month. Um, I haven't been up to Hanoi in a while now, so I'd like to go up there see some friends. Um, I, I, I like visiting Hanoi, so go check that out at some point this year. Um, Again, nothing else really set in stone, but I'm sure we'll get around to a couple of places. And then kind of considering going to Bangkok um, since Thailand is starting to ease. And I mean, one of the in normal times, obviously, one of the benefits of living in Southeast Asia is kind of the ease with which you can just fly to another country for a long weekend or something like that. So hopefully things continue to go in the right direction regionally and, and globally, obviously, although there's um, a lot of headwinds at the moment, to say the least. But um yeah, I think, I mean, the bigger international thing will be the U.S. Um, sometime this year. I'm, I'm not sure when yet, though. Fantastic. And before we finish up, Mike, um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online if they, they want to, to follow more of your musings on Vietnam? <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm on Twitter quite a lot, probably too much for my own good, um, just at Mike Tatarski and also the Vietnam Weekly newsletter you mentioned. Uh, there's a link on my on my Twitter bio that you can sign up for it or just go to vietnamweekly.substack.com. You can sign up for, there's a free weekly version um, and also a paid version uh, with a couple of articles a month just for paying subscribers. And um, and then on Saigoneer, obviously, um, you know, I write a couple of stories there a month and my colleagues are doing great work there. So yeah, I'd I'd say uh, those those three are good places to look. Absolutely. And I wholly recommend Vietnam Weekly. It helps me uh, keep track of all of the craziness of uh, <laughs> Vietnam's developments, for sure. Well, there's been plenty plenty of that. Yeah, again, listening back to our old episode, I, I think I said something like, I'm looking forward to stop not writing about COVID, and that uh, has not happened, obviously. So, <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of the penultimate episode of our eight-part Two Years of Travel Disruption series. We hope you enjoyed the podcast, and don't forget to send us your thoughts and comments on anything we discussed with Mike or anything we missed out. Drop us a message on our LinkedIn page at the Southeast Asia Travel Show. Yep, meanwhile, you can catch up with the Southeast Asia Travel Show's full back catalogue on our website, www.theseasiatravelshow.com. And of course, you can listen to every episode, including this one with Mike, on all the various international podcast platforms. Again, just search for the Southeast Asia Travel Show on each app. And if you do tune in via Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please give us a quick rating and a review, as that will help other people to find the show. So that's a wrap for today, and we'll both return next week with a special guest for the final edition of the Two Years of Travel Disruption series. We look forward to seeing you then. 